Beatty, I'm Editor-in-Chief of Frontline Gastroenterology. I'd like to highlight some of the content from the March edition of this journal in this podcast. The first article relates to the ethics of providing clinically assisted nutrition and hydration, discussing some of the current issues. The provision of clinically assisted nutrition and hydration can present clinicians with significant practical and ethical dilemmas. In this issue, Andrew Rochford summarises the ethical and legal issues and offers a framework for dealing with how best to support. This is in the context of an increasing elderly population and large and vulnerable patient groups, including conditions such as stroke, dementia, advanced malignancy, cerebral palsy and eating disorders. The review discusses the indications, relative contraindications and alternative methods of support when clinically assisted nutrition and hydration is not felt to be appropriate. The authors include four key learning points. The ethics of feeding is complicated and challenging. The first question should be what are we trying to achieve? Clinically assisted nutrition and hydration can be appropriately given on a trial basis and a multidisciplinary team approach is essential. The issues raised are all dealt with comprehensively and pragmatically and the article is really helpful as a toolkit to help manage complicated patients. The article includes a comprehensive discussion of consent including the legal issues, factors encouraging clinically assisted nutrition and hydration, a useful table of questions to support decision making and discussion of exit strategies including the withdrawal of treatment. It's well worth working through. The second article I'd like to highlight relates to predicting the development of psychological morbidity in inflammatory bowel disease. It's a systematic review. We all recognise that psychological morbidity is common in inflammatory bowel disease, although factors which predict this are less clear. And actually there isn't much data. In this issue, Hugo Kamer and colleagues review the current evidence base. In their review, they looked at 660 papers, seven of which met their inclusion criteria. All measured depression, three also measured anxiety. From their data, risk factors for psychological morbidity included aggressive disease with a high hazard ratio and comorbidity burden. Psychological risk factors included lower levels of gratitude, and that's an interesting concept, gratitude being defined as a life orientation towards noticing the positive in life, including both thankfulness to others and a wider sense of appreciation for what one has. So lower levels of gratitude at baseline and in adolescents with inflammatory bowel disease, high levels of parenting stress across four domains, including communication, medical care, role functioning and emotional functioning. The data set is interesting There is, however, the need for more studies and more data and further research which would enable earlier interventions for cases at high risk with the intent to reduce psychological morbidity long term. In a linked article in the same edition, Inflammatory Bowel Disease Psychological Support Pilot Reduces Inflammatory Bowel Disease Symptoms and Improves Psychological Wellbeing, Eccles and colleagues report in a small cohort improved symptoms and psychological well-being following psychological intervention. And although this is a small study, the data is powerful. Psychological services we know are limited, 
but most of us would support increased access to improve disease outcomes and enable us to gather further evidence of efficacy which would support further service expansion. The next article I'd like to highlight relates to the gut microbiome. So what every gastroenterologist needs to know. So it's interesting. The term microbiome has only been used for 20 years. And it's something we as gastroenterologists and hepatologists need to know about. So there's an excellent review in this issue. Mullish and colleagues provide an update discussing basic principles, including the terminology, practical implications and future directions. That's diagnostic and therapeutic. It's a very rapidly evolving field. It's actually difficult to even conceptualize there being a hundred trillion microbial cells, that's the microbiota, which make up the gut microbiome. The authors in their overview discuss technology like next generation sequencing of bacterial genomes using samples from multiple sites, which has enhanced our in-depth knowledge and applied bioinformatics used to describe particular patterns are discussed in detail, with the functionality being explored using other systems biology techniques, including metabonomics and proteomics. So the authors helpfully walk us through the multiple different techniques and terminologies. The gut microbiome is not a bystander. It has multiple different benefits to the host, with alterations of composition, that's dysbiosis, having potential impact on both health and disease. The authors discuss specific conditions, that specific conditions of relevance to the gastroenterologist and the hepatologist, including inflammatory bowel disease, liver disease, and Clostridium difficile infection. They also discuss the gut microbiome as a therapy, including prebiotics, probiotics, and fecal microbiota transplant. It's great to have all this information in one piece and as such a comprehensive overview. It's essential reading, and as such, I've made it editor's choice this month. The fourth article I'd like to highlight is a guideline review. And these are a really important thing that we do in the journal, which is looking at newly published guideline, giving a summary and giving a commentary. And this looks at tofacitinimab for adults with moderately to severe active ulcerative colitis. And it's a review of the NICE guidance. So tofacitinimab is an oral Janus kinase molecule which selectively inhibits Janus-associated tyrant kinase, JAK1 and JAK3. In this issue, Nuaga and colleagues discussed the NICE guidance, recommended for moderate to severe active ulcerative colitis when conventional therapy or a biological agent cannot be tolerated or the disease has responded inadequately or lost response to treatment. There's good evidence of efficacy with a recommended induction and maintenance regime. Higher doses can be used. There is, however, evidence of an increased risk of venous thromboembolism on higher doses, and this needs to be considered. This guideline review is a useful update on a new therapeutic option, including a figure which summarises the mechanism of action, with an excellent commentary which considers the practicalities of using this medication in clinical practice. The final article I'd like to highlight is part of our How to Manage series. So the How to Manage series is to give practical and pragmatic advice for specific clinical scenarios. And in this issue, Bacali and colleagues discuss the important issue of post-cholecystectomy abdominal pain. 
So to put this in context, cholecystectomy is the most frequently performed surgical operation in the UK, 66,660 annually, and up to 40% will have pain post-colectomy. The authors discuss the etiology, assessment, investigation and management, including consideration of the Rome 4 criteria for biliary pain and conditions like anterior cutaneous nerve entrapment syndrome, bilateral malabsorption and sphincter of body dysfunction. It's a clear and focused article and will be helpful for clinicians managing patients with post-cholecystectomy pain. So just to mention this How to Manage series, it's there to help clinicians in practice. So please get in touch if you feel there are other How to Manage scenarios you think are particularly challenging you think we should cover, and think about whether you would like to put yourself forward as a potential author. So I'd just like to finish by saying please enjoy the issue. Please continue to read and enjoy and feedback on the journal. My name is Mark Beattie, Editor-in-Chief of Frontline Gastroenterology. Thanks for listening.